Okay, so uh, my guest today is Giovanna. Uh, how do you say your last name? Uh, all good. Um, Elias, I say it, but the Arabs say Elias. So. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. So Giovanna and I connected through our friend Taj. Taj uh, has been a guest on this podcast before. And um, yeah, I was interested to talk to you because... Uh, I saw you had a YouTube channel, I have a YouTube channel, so I'm always curious what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. And I saw your intro video as well as your latest video, which was um, four ways to communicate effectively. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I can see immediately from watching just those videos, like your, your vibe and like vibrancy just kind of pops off the screen. So thank you. Um, <laughs> that caught my attention there but yeah so yeah maybe we'll start um just to tell me about yourself you know yeah it's always such a big loaded question uh, <laughs> so i mean in a in a nutshell where would i begin um i mean i think we're we're always everything that happens in our life leads us to where we are currently sitting today and so without going into the full story of my life, I think there were some pinnacle moments that led me on this trajectory of becoming what I now call myself a human connection expert, but it's, it's much deeper than just this. And so I would say from, you know, childhood, messy parents, divorce, to then going through years of trauma with anorexia and bulimia, and then, um, moving away, my mother sent me to university in Italy for some time. And then I started backpacking the world for about 10 years. And, um, and in that time, you know, you start to learn a lot about humans and the way people are and observing and cultures and traditions and seeing life from all these different realities and perspectives. And, um, and then I had gone to school for journalism and communications, human rights law, and then I went back to school for holistic health. So it was kind of like using sort of one part of the brain, this sort of law writing side, and then going back and using more of this like medical biological side of things. And that, you know, it's just like every piece of every data point, I call it, that we learn over time, I think just expands our awareness of this, this beautiful game called life. <laughs> So all, all of this over time led me to then where I am today, where I really do believe that the basis of a quality life comes from having quality relationships. And I, I think that our lives don't have that genuine fulfillment if we're not fulfilled in our relationships. And, and I, I think when we think relationships, we often think romantic or intimate so much more than this. You know, I'm talking like family, I'm talking friendships, I'm talking, you know, intimate as well. And then even strangers, you know, that we're meeting out and about, even this, like we we're, you know, just meeting, but how well can we connect? That's like so important to be able to build strong, meaningful relationships in this life. So yeah, this is- Yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely agree with you that, um... You know, life's better with great relationships. And um, 
the hard part is like you know when when you, when I think of a great relationship, not so much now, but in the past, it's like oh, at least this is how I used to approach it, is that um, either you click with someone or you don't, and uh, if you don't, it's like you don't want to rock the boat. You want to yeah. make sure you're all good, but you know over time you kind of learn it's by going through those whatever it is like arguments or disagreements and if you make it through to the other side it's like that is where the meaning comes in because then you kind of have a data point kind of like what you said like oh if there's a problem it doesn't mean this is bad it doesn't mean you know my friend doesn't like me anymore it's like let's let's kind of work through it so yeah. Now I'm wondering what would prevent you from clicking with someone? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. You know, it's like, I, I can't really self-analyze like that. It's like, um, okay, I can answer that kind of giving the opposite answer and maybe work backwards. Yeah. So like clicking with someone is like, you, you like the same music. You can talk freely about like, oh man, did you check out this song? It was awesome bro, you got to check out this other song. It's like, whoa, that's awesome. I didn't even know that artist existed, you know, stuff like that. Whereas other things would be, for example, uh, I guess, okay, this is a good example. So when I was uh, in high school, grade nine, um, after the football season, I wanted to play football the next year. So the team set up some workouts and I was a skinny kid, you know, very light, maybe like 110 pounds or something. Okay. And all the other, all the other uh, players on the team are bigger, you know, you're, they're doing uh, weightlifting workouts to get bigger. And personally, I can remember being like, oh, you know, I'm not strong. And that just kind of created a barrier in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, you're not, I don't know, it's, I don't know what to call it. It's just like, you're kind of self-conscious about it. So it prevents you from you being know. able to connect probably yeah so I guess yeah that's a good way to put that yeah yeah I mean I, I think that's definitely what often often us not being able to connect with someone else I always say the relationship starts with yourself so it's and this is why I was so curious when you say you didn't you know you didn't necessarily click like whether you click or don't click with someone I always wonder if the not clicking with someone actually starts with something within us And are we creating some sort of barrier that we're conscious or unconscious of that holds us back from being able to actually connect deeper with somebody else? Because I'm of the belief that every single human being has gone through something interesting, fascinating, some sort of experience in their life that you can learn from. And if we all made aims to access that even just that little tidbit of experience or knowledge or wisdom in that person, we could take away a golden nugget from every human being on this earth. So I do think there's always a connection point, but it's a matter of like finding that. And, and so I wonder if we get in the way of our, like we're, we get in the way of that connection that we could actually have with somebody else. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, Like, especially if you, if you want to make connections, then you know, it's something that's uh, stopping you from doing that. Like you're always, if you're looking for it, you'll find ways to make those connections. 
So mm-hmm, sure. I've kind of learned that along the way. And like practically it's kind of putting the reps in, you know, um, for example, you mentioned you've, you know, you've been around the world, you've traveled, you've met all types of people. Mm-hmm. You have the the repetitions of, you know, the culture gap or talking to strangers yeah. or whatnot. So language um, gaps. <laughs> Yeah. And like, that's the best way to learn. And it's also the scariest, like if you're not comfortable traveling or, you know, getting out and meeting people. So definitely that's kind of my approach these days. It's like, just like go out, do something, you know, meet new people. It'll be uncomfortable, but eventually you'll kind of figure it out. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. I'm actually curious because you said you're an engineer. Yes. Yeah, so officially not, because I think legally, I can't call myself an engineer because I don't have my license. But yeah, I studied engineering and I'm working as an integration engineer. Okay, okay. So would you say you're in a realm of people that are more social by nature or they struggle to be social? Well, so this is something interesting. So my job right now is remote. So everyone is just a voice. Um, so with that being said everyone's pretty friendly you know in team meetings Um, but to answer that question or even in school like like that I guess that general environment I'm asking because I you know these all these stereotypes of like oh engineers generally struggle or it's usually all guys with each other and so there's not that balance of like you know, the feminine, masculine and social arena. So I'm, I'm curious about your experience. So yeah, my engineering class always had around 100 people or so. So I did electrical engineering uh, at the University of Waterloo. And it was like 10%, 10 to 15% uh, women. So it's like 85 guys and 15 uh, girls. So of course, there were other programs. So it's not like you're only interacting with your class members. But to generalize, I would say there was a group of people who would, uh, you know, work hard and play hard. So they were Mm -hmm. very social, you know, you work hard during the week, you party during the weekend, have a good time. Yep. There was that group of people. Then there was this group of people. (laughs) Yeah. Then, uh, and then, you know, there's other people, but my kind of way I approach things was I was super serious almost to a fault it's like you know it's like sleeping six hours uh, a night just come home uh, make dinner just study mm-hmm. relax watch some tv or something so but it's not like I was wasn't going out with friends you know yeah. you still hang out but so to answer your question I mean it depends yeah it, it's 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 I think it's kind of like almost any other field you'll have um in the middle middle range people who have a kind of a good balance and then extremes on the end fair totally fair yeah yeah and I have heard these two extremes particularly in the engineering field that they're either like crazy introverted shy maybe awkward not sure how to talk to people especially girls um and then the other extreme where it's like okay like you said work hard but also party hard (laughs) so hard it's it's crazy like I had friends like that and you know I wouldn't I wouldn't even try to keep up with them (laughs) for them (laughs) (laughs) so as a human connection expert let's say someone came to you and said um I need help um I want like I'm shy or for example Mm -hmm. so like how would you 
approach it generally. I'm just trying to get a sense of yeah. like what kind of service you would provide to that person. Sure. What is it? What does it mean? So I get asked this all the time because it's like, okay, explain more of this to me. So I have created what I call my nine key system to deep, meaningful human connections. And it really embodies a whole variety of things from consciousness to building clarity, to having confidence, to be able to express yourself, to being compassionate. There's so many different components that make up being able to connect. But at the basis of connection is multiple skills. There's interpersonal relationship skills, there's emotional intelligence, there's communication skills. So there's leadership skills. So my, my work, it's funny because, I mean, some people call it relationship coaching, some people call it life coaching. It's really a combination. At the end of the day, everything, if you literally look at every single problem you ever had in your life, the, re- the problem is either the relationship you've had with family, with friends, with colleagues and bosses, with your romantic partner, or with yourself. So it's like, we need to address what's going on. And at the basis of all those relationship issues is always the relationship with yourself. So if someone comes to me and says, okay, you know, I'm shy or I'm nervous. I don't know how to talk to someone. Or on the other end, you know, I'm having serious conflict in my relationships. You know, I don't have a good relationship with my family, or I don't know how to make friends, or I'm always fighting with my romantic partner, then I would say, okay, let's address what's going on first internally. So I actually studied, I I believe I mentioned this, I studied holistic medicine, which is really looking at the body from, you know, the mental, emotional, physical, and energetic perspective. And then I also went on to study neuro-linguistic programming and hypnotherapy. So I've kind of pulled from my toolbox. When I work with a client, I say, okay. So for example, you're shy. You're shy to go out and talk to someone, to meet someone. What's going on internally in your world? What are your belief systems? So what's happening here? How do you feel when you're out in a public space and maybe you see someone attractive and you want to approach them, but you don't know how to? What is your energy suggesting? How is that showing up? Like, are you energetically showing up as like reserved and, and, and shy and nervous? Or are you, you know, energetically open and allowing people to come into your space? And then physically, what is your body language telling me, right? So, you know, the energetic physical can often overlap. They all overlap with each other. So I would then say, okay, So maybe mentally you've got this story repeating itself. Maybe you're not good enough or you don't feel comfortable enough or you're not confident enough, or maybe she would reject you. There's always some sort of not enough going on at the basis. And so then we would work through that. And often I'll take my clients into like hypno trance like states and we're working in the unconscious mind because I can, I can come to you and say, this is the problem. It's problem A. And that's like your conscious mind. That's like a very small 5% of your brain saying, okay, it believes this is the problem. Then we go deep into these trance-like states. And now I'm discovering all the other things going on. We're pulling up memories of the past, childhood stuff, other experiences you had when maybe you spoke to a girl and you got rejected. Whatever took place. 
And now it's like, okay, let's clean that. Because the moment we start cleaning what happened in your past and how you perceive yourself and what your belief systems are, now you can build the confidence to move forwards and take action in a very different way because now you identify as a different person. So it's almost like going into the state identified as one person. Maybe you identify as shy or nervous or you can't pick up a girl. And then you come out of the you come out of the space being able to identify as this new person, you know, maybe it's a more confident version of yourself, a more certain version of yourself, more clear-minded about what your objective is. So, you know, it's, it sounds interesting because I'm saying, okay, it's human connection. At the end of the day, what is your objective? You want to connect with that woman, for example, in this case, you know, you want to be able to build something maybe more meaningful with her, a relationship with her, something of that nature. But all of that starts with what's the relationship happening here in your mind, here in your heart, in your body, and in your energetic field. And once we clean all that up, then the relationship in your external world, is, it's going to look smooth. It's going to look beautiful, crisp. You're going to show up and be having dialogue and even maybe flip the script on her. So rather than you needing to sell yourself to her, it's like she needs to sell herself to you. And, you know, I make this sound, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a business thing or sales, but, yeah. but we are, we're selling ourselves. You know, this is really, this is what it is. It's like we're selling our qualities, our values. Who are we as humans? So it's like, you tell me about you now because I want to know if that's compatible with me and if that aligns with me. And, and so now it's like a whole different energy going at that interaction, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that makes sense. If you address whatever is going on that's uh, preventing you from, you know, whatever, making connections, for example, if you address those things, it's everything's going to be a lot easier and more comfortable. Um, but I'm curious, you mentioned about working in the unconscious mind through trance or uh, through the trance states. So yeah. like, how does that work? Cause I, you know, it's like my, my first time hearing about that approach. Oh, oh cool. Okay. I, I love when I express my work to first times. So if we're, cause it's neuroscience, like I'm such an undercover nerd. I love neuroscience. So we go into what we call theta state. So right now we are in a state called beta and beta is when your brain is hyperactive and it's processing information and, you know, moving it back and forth. When we slowly start to calm ourselves, let's say maybe we're reading a book or, you know, just like relaxing on the couch, your brain's now moving into alpha, which is slowly starting to calm itself, but it's still active enough, right? You're, for example, reading a book, you're still, you, you know, using the mind, you're still processing information, but it's a little bit more calm, you're a little bit more relaxed, you're focused, you're very present. Theta is the next level down. And theta is the same state as, you know, when you're going into meditative-like states, it's hypnosis-like hypnosis states, the same as even like when you're watching a movie, for example, we go into like miniature hypno hypnosis states because you're so engaged, you almost feel like you've entered into that other reality. You ever feel like you've seen a really good movie and you were so absorbed in it the whole time and when it's done, you're like, whoa. <laughs> the Dark Knight, that's the one for me. 
Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Same as driving a car. It's like, have you ever gone into a car? You arrive at your destination and you're like, how did I get here? You don't remember the drive. Your, your, your brain is going into these, I, I don't want to say full theta, because if you're in full theta, you wouldn't be paying attention to what's going on, but you're moving into that more hypnotic like type of trance state. So the best way I like to get my clients into that state is through breath work mm-hmm. and through breathing patterns that I'll do with them, then will either like oxygenate the brain. Often this is usually a technique that I'll use or we'll put more, it's, it's one or the other. So if we over oxygenate the brain, then we're really stimulating it and we're waking it up. If we actually remove more oxygen, put in more CO2 into the body, we're actually calming the body. So depending on the type of breath work you want to do, it can be used to energize the body or to relax it. And either way, that can put you into these theta-like, trance-like, hypnotic-like states. And in those states is when you are much more relaxed, you go into what we call homeostasis. So the body's no longer in this fight or flight. It's no longer resisting. It's no longer fighting. It's much more calm. And it's saying, okay, let's see what's coming up. Now, our prefrontal cortex So the front of part of the brain is our decision-making part of the brain. It's the part that says, oh, no, don't go do that. That's dangerous, right? Don't jump off that cliff. It's dangerous. Or don't go get up on stage in front of all those people because that's really scary, right? So the brain will shut down ideas usually within three seconds, the prefrontal cortex, and it's doing that to protect us. When we go into these theta-like states, we're actually soothing that part of the brain. That way it's not so overactive and feeling as if we need to be hyperactively thinking about decision-making. It's almost as if we can calm, we're calming the whole nervous system essentially and allowing the unconscious to come up. And so breath work brings us into the unconscious The unconscious then shows us memories and it says, okay, this is, you know, perhaps something that happened in the past or the unconscious will say, this is what's going on in the body. So depending on the technique I'll do with my clients, sometimes I'll get them to build an awareness. We do what I call a lot of somatic therapy work. So it's a, it's a connection with what's physically taking place in the body because often we operate from our mind we don't operate from our body. So if stress comes up, okay, we're, th- we're overthinking, but we're not thinking, okay, where am I holding that stress in my body? Am I holding it in my chest? Am I breathing more shallow? Or is my heart palpitating faster? Am I holding the stress in my stomach? Is there anxiety there? So it's really a matter of getting into the body and understanding, okay, what's taking place and dialoguing with it. So, you know, we either go into a memory of the past or we dialogue with what the body is actually saying to us because our bodies are always talking to us. And then from there, we, we pull up information comes up and then I walk the client through and we, you know, it's almost like a path. I'll take them on. It's very intuitive until we get to the end piece, which is saying, okay, this is what, this is what's really happening. So this is that maybe this is the fear or this is the belief you have about yourself. Let's clean that up. And what would it feel like 
if you didn't hold on to that belief anymore? Or what would it feel like if you didn't have that fear anymore? What would it feel like if you went to go talk to that girl or if you had a better relationship with your family or, you know, if you had the career that you wanted or the money you wanted to make or, you know, whatever it would be, but what would it feel like? What would be that feeling? Because humans operate in emotions. We don't operate based necessarily on, on words. Like most of today, you're not going to remember most of what I said, but you'll definitely remember how I left you feeling. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) So, and we know, like, we know very instinctually and intuitively, like, okay, did I feel good around that person or did I not? We don't really think like, oh, what did that person say last time? We're thinking more like, oh yeah, I really enjoyed their company. We know the feeling. Yes. So at the end of all of this, it's like, what is the the feeling you want to experience? And when you can get to that state and actually emphasize that in the body, then you can come out of it already alive in that space. And then you, and then you act in that, you act in that energetic space. I'm really that, glad if you, that, if that makes any sense <laughs> to you. It, it does. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you explained it because, um, you know, initially when I heard words like uh, hypnosis and trance, it, it, there's like a, a woo woo quality associated with that word. But the way you explained it going into kind of the different states, how you can um, kind of uh, chill out the mind in, in a way, uh, makes sense. I can personally kind of um, relate to those different, uh, like relate to those different states. Um, so yeah, it's cool. Um, it's kind of hard to kind of organize my thoughts because as you were explaining all that i was like oh this happened at this point in my life then i remember when this happened that happened so i guess i'll just bring it back to one thing which is uh breath work so i haven't done a lot of breath work but i've experimented just with um um just like holding in a long breath and then just letting it out so i find that helps me kind of mellow out because it's the lack of oxygen it kind of gives you like a kind of like a high and that seems to kind of chill me out so I'm definitely curious to uh you know explore breath work in the future but I definitely can see how uh breath work will affect your state like if you hyperventilate you'll, you'll you'll get like that extra too much oxygen in your head right and um yeah. So yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Speak, speaking to that, actually, I have a very good friend of mine. I don't know if it's something you wish to explore further, but I do have a very good friend of mine that just created a course, like all of the basic fundamentals to breath work he's put in this program. It's over 20 hours of stuff. He's selling it for $20. I was like, you're crazy. You've put like, he's put so many hours into this brilliant course and it's so cheap. So Anybody that, including yourself, if you want to learn more about breath work, I would hop on this opportunity. I can definitely send it your way because I mean, it's excellent what he's put together. So. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll uh, send it to me later. I'll throw it in the description of the video. I'll check it out myself yeah. and yeah, it should be fun. Um, so and in the moments you did breath work, did you find it shifted something in you? Did it help you? Um, so the reason it was helpful for me is it would help me um, 
kind of respond calmly when I had physical pain. So I had a running injury, which was worse before I pulled my calf while running. Okay. Um, and before that, I have I have a neck injury, which is still kind of going on. So it's a lot better now. But basically how the neck injury happened is I was in a hot tub. I felt woozy. I got up um, to go inside because the hot tub was outside. But as soon as I entered the, uh, I guess it was the kitchen, I woke up on the floor. So I must have passed out. Oh. And it was like, it was pretty quick. It was, I wasn't... Uh, out for a long time maybe a few seconds but since then my neck's kind of been messed up so um you know i went to see the doctor he sent me to a physiotherapist um i was doing exercises but after a few weeks you're just like i guess it's not getting any better so you could just kind of deal with it but i'm saying all this in hindsight i didn't realize that's what was affecting my mood mm -hmm. and it's probably just one component the physical yeah. component of it mm -hmm. uh, obviously there's like there's always something uh, uh mental and whatever else is going on relationships things like that but i would notice at work at my last job i, I would be very agitated mm -hmm. um and i would notice that uh, even if i thought i was responding to people calmly it's mm -hmm. like they would I, you could see like some kind of disturbance in their face. Okay. So eventually I was like, all right, well, maybe I'm just throwing off some kind of vibe. Let yeah. me just see what it is. Right. So this is my theory. I think in hindsight, looking back, doing that breath work really helped me to kind of operate in a physical pain state. And so I haven't really been doing it that much anymore because yeah. um, it's a lot better. But yeah. Are you in so, Toronto? Are you based in Toronto? I'm in London right now, London, Ontario. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll chat after. I don't know if you're familiar with Shiatsu, but sh Shiatsu is a Japanese deep tissue energetic massage. So it it's the, both the physical, but also the energetic side of a massage and um, can feel very painful, but it will definitely help you overcome your neck type of okay like, all the tension going on in your neck 110 percent you know okay, yeah that's I'm, awesome I, and i can i can recommend something to you as well this is like there it it's it's fascinating what you're saying i actually love your example because hmm, it goes back to you know my piece about and and of course what i studied as well about everything is really holistic you know if you're physically in discomfort that's going to show up, like to use your words, in your vibe. And that vibe now gets like transmitted to other people and your relationships at your work now are going to su like suffer and struggle because of this. And you're going to get that feedback back from people, whether they directly say it to you, like what's wrong, or whether they give you attitude or a sense of coolness or whatever it is back at you. And that's now energy being passed like circularly in, a, in the most discomfortable sort of way because your physical body is in discomfort and now it's showing up in so many other realms of your life and in your relationships, which is why I always say, you know, everything comes back to us. Like what's happening within us, be it physically or emotionally, mentally, 
energetically that then gets broadcasted and is now going to impact how we're even interacting with other people in our day to day. I'm yeah, that that's been my approach because personally, like, um, I guess it's going back to kind of my example of the last job I was at. You know, job was great. People were were cool. You know, there's always like one or two people you don't really get along with, but that's normal. It's not something crazy. Everything was great. Um, one thing was I was really far away from family. It's it was, I was working in Perth, Ontario, which is close to Ottawa. And my family uh, is in London and was in London at that time. So driving would take like six to eight hours and I would come once a month or so. So that was, that was definitely a factor of my uh, happiness there. But eventually I noticed like it would take a lot of energy to get through the day than the kind of energy you would get back from the day, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the way I approached it was I started by meditating or trying to learn to meditate mm -hmm. because I thought, okay, it's, I'm just not happy because, you know, I just don't know how to be alone and handle my thoughts and emotions and whatnot. So, you know, I do that for a few months and it's like, all right, well, nothing's really different. So at that time I had decided I'm going to um, take a break from working mm. and just uh, give myself a year, figure some stuff out. I worked it out with my parents, you know, told them like, Hey, I'm leaving my job. I'm just going to chill out for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, okay, that's cool. You know, figure, figure it out. So I did that. And then I just watched movies for the first few months, basically just kind sure. of figuring it out. Um, eventually I, I started doing yoga here in London for about a year, uh, a style of yoga called Iyengar yoga, okay. which is, um, it's like a structured yoga. They do two or three week cycles once a week class. It's like an hour and a half session. They do about eight postures and you just sit in them for a while. And there's a teacher helping you to make sure you're doing it properly. Mm -hmm. So that helped a lot. I felt a little better. And I forgot where I was going with this, but um, different pieces. Oh. Yeah. 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 So the, the idea was I know I have uh, a neck injury and a leg injury. Let me sort that out first before I try figuring out what I can do mentally or how I approach things. Because it doesn't matter how, what your approach is, even if you have a great vibrancy in life, um, if, if you're, experiencing physical pain it was all it will always be a hindrance so that's been kind of my approach to this day and i have a personal trainer now mm -hmm. seeing a chiropractor which is kind of helping okay um, now let me so, ask yeah. this do you need to have the right mindset and to or the right emotional state to motivate you to even physically do the work uh like what kind of work you mean? Like, oh, like, just so, generally? So, sorry, not, and so when I say to do the work, I mean like the physical part. So you said, okay, you need to work through the physical stuff mm -hmm. to help yourself. But I'm saying, do you think you would need the right mindset and the right emotional state or attitude to actually be able to even start by doing all that physical work and help on yourself? Um. Well, I like, I just got tired of like feeling bad about myself. So it's like, well, one antidote is just do some hard stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you do a hard workout or 
uh, my one of my goals, which I have to meet by next week, and I'm not sure I will, but is to run a half marathon. Okay. So it's like just have some kind of goal in mind with the end date. Yeah. And if you're gonna instead of like being obsessed about how bad you feel, just be obsessed about something that you can do do. So one antidote to feeling bad about yourself is just do hard things. So we'll see how far that goes, but for the time being, it's, it's helping me physically get a lot better. Yeah, for sure. So there is, there's two approaches to, to any, any conflict that generally comes up in life. And in this case, you know, we're talking physically, like the injuries you've experienced, we can go through it from the Newtonian law, which is the cause and effect. In other words, you take the physical action and then you'll see the effect, which is hopefully healing in this case. Or you can approach it more from a quantum physics standpoint, which is put your body into the energetic state of where you already want to be before you're there. In other words, you don't need to physically move through time and space before you, your body will already start to neurochemically produce the effect of being healed. So if you can, in your mind, go to a place that feels healed, so your neck feels healed, your, your body, the other injury was where? It was your leg, you said? Yeah, like it's like a running injury in the leg. Running injury. So let's say like neck plus running injury and anything else in the, the body you may be experiencing, let's lump it all together. Let's say you were to, in your mind, go to a place where you were not only healed, but you felt more agile, more energized, more competent, more like quick on your toes, flexible than you even did before the injuries your body is now going to neurochemically produce the chemicals that will make you feel good that will then they will be released into the body to start healing you so very very simple example so you understand what i'm saying there is there is a team of and i don't want to get this study wrong they did this study with basketball players and so they got these basketball players to they separated them into groups. So they got one group of basketball players to have to shoot like three point hoops every single day in practice for an hour, every single day. Then the second group, they got just the group of them to see it in their mind. So just watch themselves in their mind, doing the three point shots and getting it in every single time. The final group, they mixed it. It was like a a combo of physically doing the work and also seeing it in their mind every single day. What they noticed from the results, the group that physically like did the three point shots compared to the group that was seeing it in their mind results almost identical. Mm -hmm. The next level was the group that was doing both the physical and the mental work exercises. They were, of course, they scored exorbitantly higher because they're mixing the mental with the physical. But what's important that was taken away from the study, results about what you see in your mind were the, almost identical to the results of these basketball players just shooting hoops physically every day. In other words, our body doesn't know the difference between what's physically real 
and what's just mentally real in our mind. It doesn't know. So you don't, you, I mean, I think you should be doing the physical work, go to the chiropractor, go to the, you know, fitness, personal trainer, do all of that. And simultaneously, like go into that space of where you would want your body to already be, or even better, like don't even go back to how it was in the past, create a new body that's even better and go there every day in your mind. So when you're doing the breath work practices, close your eyes, do the breath work. And I would get into that state of like, okay, how would my body feel if it was running this marathon? And like, what would it feel like if I was like, one of the first to win it or to like, you know, be running past everyone. Or if I was just to like achieve it to begin with and how do I feel at the end? How do I feel going through it? You know, it's like, you're producing that already in your mind do that enough times every single day, you're going to get to that marathon and your body's going to think you've already been here a bunch of times and it's going to execute exactly what you saw. So. Yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah. That, that, that would be a good experiment to try, you know, definitely. I agree. Like you got to do the physical work too, because you can't just rely on just the mental work. Like even in the example that you mentioned, they're basketball players. So yeah. chances are they have shot three pointers before and, you know, they don't, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. like, so yeah, you um, need to yeah. Know what's going on. yeah. yeah definitely. Sure. You got to do the work, both the work, but yeah, I'm curious about that. I might do like a tiny experiment. When is your run? See how that works. I have to do it within 10 days. Um, Amazing. So I, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I, I would love, uh, this is, I mean, you can take the challenge or not, but I would love if you message me in 10 days. So if you were to like every morning waking up and every night before going to sleep, even spending 10 or 15 minutes going into your mind and like visualizing what you want to feel when you hit that, like the end line, like the race Mm -hmm. is done. What do you want to be feeling when that race is done? Like what, what's the experience your body has? And um, I would love to see what the outcome is. That sounds fun. I think I, I think I can do that. I'll uh, yeah. I have a, have a loop here. I have a couple of loops that I can run. Um, the way I would do it is just number them out. Like, okay, I'm doing five loops. This is how I'm going to feel at the end of the first loop, the second loop, the third loop. Um, and when I feel bad, this is what I'm going to do. When I feel great, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. That would be a fun experiment. I would definitely love to try it out. And then we, uh, if you're interested, I'm... we could talk about that and see how it actually yeah. worked out practically. Yeah. I would totally love to hear it. <laughs> I cool. test everything on myself first. Yeah, so like good. anything I say to my clients, I'm like, I'm going to test it on my body first to know it's possible. Uh-huh. So I know it's possible, but I'd love to see how you experience it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just gave me another challenge, which is great. Um, so now I'm distracted just thinking about what I'm going to do. Um, but anyway, back to wherever yeah, we, we were before. We, we've gone on a beautiful, you know, uh, deep hole which I love <laughs> yeah. um so okay yeah one thing that came to mind before was um you were kind of describing what you do when you have clients as 
a mix of life coach, relationship coach, in a way. And I started thinking about it. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm just kind of walk you through how I was thinking it, you know, initially, it was like, that's weird, like someone would have a, a coach for life. And then my mind jumped to, oh, like, before I got a personal trainer, I was thinking, why would someone hire someone to tell them how to work out? Um, oh, so, repeat, repeat the last piece, honey. I think I just lost you. You said sure. that weird someone would. Right. So the idea is basically um, before I hired a personal trainer, it was never a, a possibility. I was like, personal trainer, I'm not an athlete. Like, I don't need that. Yeah. Like, I'm not. I'm not terribly injured. Then, you know, if you're able to afford it, it's definitely a good um, good thing because it's, it's as simple as someone's telling you what to do, but it's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. And in that way, uh, I've kind of have, I kind of have a different perspective on what a life coach could be. Uh, yeah. So that's interesting. It's just something I thought I would say. In a nutshell, I would say more than anything, coaches are brilliant for clarity and accountability. So we often, when we are in the midst of the storm, you know, the cyclone going on in our own lives, we can't see clearly the direction out and where we even need to go. Like the next couple steps sometimes feel really blurry for us. And it feels really nice and supportive to have someone say, hey, I know those steps already. I've already been there. Let me take your hand and I'll actually walk you through it. And I'll take you to A to B to C to D all the way till we get exactly where you want to go. And I know how to take you there. I feel like that feeling alone feels so supportive and securing for us that it's, it's appealing because it's like, oh, you know how to take me where I want to go. Okay, great. So it's, it's the clarity piece. And the second point is accountability. And, and I think this really speaks to, for example, personal trainers. Even after people learn how to work out and do all the weights and all those things, they still go to a personal trainer. Why? It's, it's accountability. It's like that person is holding you personally responsible to your goals. The same way, like me as a, as a coach, I will tell my clients, okay, so I gave you X, Y, and Z tasks last week. Did it get completed? How'd you feel when you did it? And so now, okay, of course we want to believe that we're doing everything for ourselves, but it really motivates us when somebody checks in every week and says, okay, so what was the progress on that thing that you've done? Right? It's, it's huge. It's, it makes such a big difference. For myself, I have a, what I call an accountability buddy. It's a very good friend of mine, works within the wellness and coaching space as well. We check in with each other hour and a half every single week, like clockwork for the last two and a half years. Probably in that time, we've missed two weeks. So, and, and that keeps me on track in my life. I say, okay, these are my targets. These are my goals. This is what I want. And I need to get back to this person every week and tell them I hit this, but I didn't hit that. And we then go through it. Why? Why not? What led you to do that? How do you feel or what prevented you from doing it? So I think more than anything, coaches really are brilliant for that clarity piece and the accountability piece. And, you know, it just gets you to where you want to go clearer with guidance, with support, with care and much faster. It's really what it what it comes down to. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, the, the parallel with that is um, when you're growing up, um, let's say, let's say, uh, well, for most people, your, yeah. your parents are those coaches in your early mm. years, they yeah. help you, they guide you, they're like, you know, oh, don't eat that, or you can't go out after 11, you know, things like yeah. that. Yeah. But eventually, all people or most people will grow out of that and realize, oh, there's some things um, these parents can't help me with. But for a lot of people, it's, well, actually, I don't know how many people, but I'm sure there are many people who don't really transition to that mentor or a coach or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can kind of see it and you hear stories in professional sports that, you know, players are always appreciating coaches that yeah. kind of act as that figure yeah but yeah so that's interesting that that parallel is there and it's it's like basically you go from a coach to all of a sudden you don't have a coach anymore so filling in that gap doesn't seem to be that weird yeah i know no actually i really like that that example you gave because i guess we wouldn't really necessarily look at our parents as coaches but they are a form of guidance and also I think, and I see this a lot um, with my, my clients, often people, once they get out of the school system, so it's like, you know, we go through the, the, the process, the steps of like, okay, going to grade school, going to high school, going to university, maybe even going on and, you know, doing your master's and PhD. The moment we come out of the system and now we become adults and we're working, it's like, okay, so there's not the clear system from our parents, nor is there a clear system from school. So we almost need to figure it out. And there's nothing that gently just plops us down a nice little guided path and says, hey, this is, this feels nice. This aligns with you. Let's move down here. So I often see that and it's, and it's all ages. I mean, I see it from people you know, in their mid twenties to thirties, early thirties that are still transitioning out of university that will come to me and say, I don't know what I want to do with my life or people that went through the system, they got the comfortable job, everything else. And then they realize they're like, I never actually stopped long enough to ask myself what is meaningful for me in my life. And so now they're, they're asking those questions in their late thirties, forties, fifties and saying, okay, like, what is the trajectory I actually want to take with my life to make it purposeful and meaningful? In which case, you know, once again, it's that, it's that clarity and that guidance piece to say, okay, let's, let's find out together. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. I'm just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. My mind Boarding. is like all over the place. <laughs> um, it's good. It's good. It's, it's very rewarding work. I will, I will definitely say that. Um, and if I may just add one final piece to this all. Sure. Something I've come to realize from just all the array, different array of clients I've worked from in the last few years is that at the basis of every human being, we all experience fear of not being good enough in one way or another. <laughs> and the moment I realized that, I was like, oh my God, if only we could just say that to the people in our lives, you know, like if, okay. if, if we could 
be able to be so vulnerable and transparent and know it's being held in a safe, compassionate space and be able to communicate that openly, you know, be it with family, be it with friends, be it at work and say, hey, you know, I don't necessarily know everything. This is new to me. I'm, I'm not perfect at this. I'm learning, like I'm going through the process of learning on this path called life in, in whatever area this is. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm afraid, I'm insecure. I'm not sure, I don't know what I'm doing and that's okay. And so I think when we actually can recognize like every single human being at some point in their lives, in some area of their lives is going to experience that insecurity of, you know, are they good enough at whatever they're, whatever they're doing, whatever they're moving towards, be it their job, be it work, be it relationships, you know, it's, it's like when we know that every human being is experiencing the same thing as us, it kind of makes it a lot easier to live in this life because we don't feel so alone. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of answered one of the questions I was going to ask, which is what motivates you to keep going day to day? I don't think I need to ask that because I can just kind of figure it out just from talking to you. Um, good habits too. Yeah. I mean, good habits, purpose, meaning. That's mm -hmm. really what it comes down to. Like if you build good habits in your life, I mean, this is so perhaps we could say over said over overdone but it's so true like are you sleeping well are you exercising daily are you meditating like are you taking time for yourself are you journaling are you building healthy relationships like all of that are excellent habits that I think just keep us wanting to wake up and feel good waking up every day and then the other side of things is do you have purpose and meaning in your life whatever that thing is you're doing or working towards, is it meaningful? It does it, does it give you purpose? Because if it doesn't, it's definitely really hard some days to feel motivated to wake up in this wonderful life. That's like got so many things being thrown at us every day. <laughs> well, how's, okay. How about this as a question? So I would argue that, uh, specifically in a task or a goal like let's say for example um the, the running the marathon right like you you, you want to run a marathon this is not specifically about me but you you, you want to do it you work hard you run regularly you're not happy with your time so you're in a sense you're always thinking oh this is not good enough so you're feeling bad but it's also the reason that you try to push yourself Mm -hmm. so at some point you need to strike a good balance um so any any thoughts on that like because like i for some people like that idea of not being good enough is the reason they're successful in whatever they're achieving yeah. of course that could come to uh oh there's a time limit here too but anyway <laughs> um uh, of course you know that could have some terrible consequences down the road if you're always just trying to one-up yourself but yeah. yeah any any thoughts about that uh there's a couple thoughts that came to mind I'm like which direction do I move in okay I I'm, I'm gonna go a little philosophical here and we'll see sure. how we're doing with time so about a year ago I I asked myself the question do we grow 
Do we expand? Do we evolve? Do we become more conscious as human beings only from a place of suffering? Or can we also grow, expand, evolve, become more conscious from a place of peace and love? So hold, hold, stay with me for a moment without like, oh, is this all woo-woo? I'm following you. I'm following you. So what does that look like? And, and the term like self-love for the longest time, I'm like, oh my God, this is so cheap. <laughs> love, like, okay, that term again, you know, like, what does it mean? And someone literally said to me, self-love really comes down to a re- like a releasing of judgment towards mm-hmm. self. Mm-hmm. So no judgment put on self. When we remove judgment from self, we are no longer shaming ourselves. So when we don't feel good enough about something, that's shame. That is an ongoing shame cycle happening internally. It's a shame dialogue that keeps happening over and over and over again. And that's suffering. Mm -hmm. And so we can arguably say that suffering takes us places in life. Sure. I, I wouldn't say that it doesn't. Suffering can definitely be a motivational piece to get us somewhere. You had an accident you suffered from it, it's leading you now to get a personal trainer, to start running, to have a healthy lifestyle, all those excellent things. But does that mean you need to keep hurting yourself and having more accidents and suffering to expand and grow and evolve and become more conscious as a human being? Absolutely not. So while we may have a, you know, that, that piece of suffering, the moment of suffering, In my case, I was very young. I was in and out of the hospital for four years with anorexia and bulimia. I suffered a lot in terms of how much I damaged my physical body for many years. But do I need to keep going back to that to be able to keep growing as a human being? No, I take that moment of suffering and say, okay, what can I learn from this? And from there we grow. And so, let's say the suffering is coming from a lower vibrational piece or point in our lives. So we're in a vibration of, let's say fear and that fear can motivate us to reach whatever goal it is that we want to get to for sure. Do I want to be living in fear? Do I want to be living in a low vibrational space for the rest of my life to reach my targets? No. Because I'm never going to enjoy my targets wholeheartedly if a part of me is still in fear or shame or self-sabotage or, you know, suffering or unhappiness on some level. So I believe that can be the, it's almost like the trampoline, right? It's like the kickoff point to get us somewhere. And once we've started opening our mind, opening our awareness, opening our level of consciousness, now I believe we can start expanding from a space of love from a space of care, from a space of um, compassion towards self, from a space of awareness. And once we're in that space, now we're opening our mind up to creation, to evolution, to building more. You know, I I don't think the greatest inventors in the world were shaming themselves every single day to get to where they wanted to get to. I'm sure at some point they said, I am so wholeheartedly in this it's so meaningful to me that that's my motivation to get to where I want to get to and I'm going to keep doing it so I would like to believe and call me idealistic 
I'd like to believe at some point we learn from our lessons. We learn from the fear. We learn from the accidents. We learn from whatever's happening. And we say, okay, now I'm at a higher space now. And how can I, how can I learn from here? How can I evolve? How can I become more conscious from this place rather than needing to suffer again? I, I think you put it well, because um, like you said, suffering is a good jumping off point, like on a trampoline to get somewhere. And if, but if you keep suffering, you know, it's just going to eat away at you slowly. Like uh, a simple example is it's like everything, everything you say, you second guess. It's like, oh, why did I say that? I shouldn't have said it that way. Yeah. It, it's great because, you know, you're always thinking about how you're, how are you communicating? It might help you out, but eventually it's, it's just going to be a habit that you can't break. And yeah. when you're just chilling out, you know, I can see how that would definitely kind of eat away at you. So. Okay. And yeah. it's the tone of how you speak to yourself. Oh yes. So, yeah. so you can be reflective. Like you can say at the end of the day, for example, I mean, I call them day scans. You can mm -hmm. reflect back on your day and you could say, could I have done it differently? What could I have done differently in my day? What, what, what is I, what did I do today that I'm proud of and what could I have done differently and how could I have shown up and, and communicated verbally, non-verbally, energetically differently. But that doesn't sound the same as why did I do that? Why did I say that? I shouldn't have done that. This is a very different tone of dialogue. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I see what you're saying for sure. Um, yeah, this has been an excellent conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, really, it's been fascinating for me too. You're you're great. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think it's good. We'll have to cut it short, but definitely we'll talk again. I'll let, let you know how the half marathon went. And, uh, <laughs> yes, please. We'll There's one final that. piece I would love to share with everyone. Sure. I will be running a retreat. I'm currently living in Mexico. I am organizing a five-day retreat down here in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, close to Cancun, in November of 2022. So this year, I will be running it five days. We're going to learn the nine keys to creating connection. So this is effective communication skills, leadership skills, emotional intelligence, awareness, interpersonal relationship skills, social skills all of the ways to be able to build healthy relationships, meaningful relationships at work, family, friends, romantic partners, even with ourselves. So would love, I can also send you a link if you want to toss it down there. Would love anyone that wants to reach out to me, has more questions, wants to join. It would be my pleasure if they wanted to be a part of it. That's awesome. You know, just from this conversation, I, I can definitely see how it would be very helpful to go to a retreat and get this in person um so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah i'll share it we'll uh, figure that out and um Beautiful. yeah uh, thank, thank you. you thank uh, you yeah it's uh it's been a treat i really appreciate it having me here today